Welcome to Jack the Last, the podcast. Hi, and welcome back to episode two of Jack the Last podcast, where we recap HBO BBC's Gentleman Jack and generally have a gay old time. I'm Carrie. And I'm Kelsey. Yeah. And we are back in it. Episode two. Very good. Now that we've gotten the sort of general, like, lay of the land, so to speak, of like who these characters are, what they're after, what they're going for. You know, it's if the pace, it was pretty fast paced for our first episode, but this one like escalates even more. Yeah. We are slowing down in time, though. Just Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, This this episode just takes place over um, like. It's not. It's not a long period of time. No, it seems like to be only episode couple. two and three yeah. and four kind of take place over like a kind of short period of time. Even in reality, too, it's just a couple months. Yeah. So should we get back into actually? It, this takes place. We pick up from literally like seconds after yeah, yeah, episode so one ends. So um, Anne is at the front door of Cronest yeah. to call upon Miss Anne Walker, um, and it is a. Adorable. Let's see. It was like, and uh, Lister comes in and it's like, oh, hi, you know, I'm here to return the call. And Ann Walker is like babbling. It's like, you probably don't remember the, the first time that we met. I was like, you know, a ch- she wasn't like a child, but she was like 19. And so she's like rambling. It's like, oh, I was so embarrassing and like running around. You don't remember that, do you? And she's like, oh, I remember all of it. And like 100% this woman does not. Yeah, you can tell her look on her face. She is yes <laughs> yeah, she's, like, she's like, do you remember when I ran after you on like Lightcliff Road or something like that? And she's like, remind mm-hmm. me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when she immediately says remind me, it's like, in the two seconds before she had said, like, I remember 100% of our encounter. Because mm-hmm. she sees how like eager to please and like excited she is to see her. So she's like, of course going to capitalize on that. And there's a part like in the name of being polite, but also like, Oh, I definitely did not just suddenly develop an interest in you and your fortune. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it's absolutely adorable. And Walker is like, I see a lot of myself in her where she babbles when she's extremely Mm -hmm. nervous and especially around someone that she likes. Um, You know, and, and just Lister comes in and she has this very calculated, cool, (laughs) um energy to her it's very great um and so we briefly dip away to talk about um eugenie's situation of being secretly pregnant um and unmarried at shibden hall and my only note for this is is eugenie the lady edith of this series just yeah. kind of a disaster and that's the only note i have for this scene. Yeah. yeah no it's uh she's definitely i mean unfortunate She's kind of the unfortunate character, but again, I mean, she kind of it yeah. works out for her it, it, in the I course mean, of works, the season, yeah. 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 Um, and so then, jumping back into Cronest, uh, the lesbians, as we refer to them on this podcast, yeah. um, are discussing. It actually starts to get like really vulnerable between the mm-hmm. two of them. And Walker talks about feeling like disappointment to her family because this is the moment that um, and Lister first realizes. And Walker is related to the Rawsons, who, yeah. as we know, are mining her coal for her, but yeah. also definitely stealing it. Yeah, and they're also like, yeah, they kind of run, guys, they kind of run the city, and Anne and the Rawsons don't really get along. No, and Anne is like, you know, my mine is old lady Rawson, who's a, a, a straight up G. Oh, wait, we get to her episode yeah. four, right? Yeah, oh, I'm so yeah. excited. Um, she, but basically she's like, oh, I'm a dis- my family's extremely good at strategic marriages, mm-hmm. um, and I'm the disappointment in that. Yeah. Um, she was like, I've, I've always been an invalid and she was like, and Ann Lister's response, it's so smooth. And she was like, 
invalid. You don't look very invalid to me. And I was like, oh, man, that was smooth, man. That light play on Aunt Lister really is so good at this game. Yeah. She's she, got a game. She truly does. And I'm like, where did you develop this? Because no one, there was clearly no one to teach her. Yeah. She didn't have like. She a, had like built-in game and built-in like BDE too. Truly. So she's more gay. She kind of operates with the energy that I think people are like 50 shades, the Christian Grey and 50 shades of Grey should have. Yeah. But does not as but a that, character. If we got a lesbian 50 shades of Grey, can you imagine? Like, I tried to say through 50 Shades of Grey. I was so bored. I was just like, I literally watched it on HBO on my computer when I was home for Christmas one time. And I pulled out a book. And I would literally look up every time I heard, like, heavy breathing and be like, oh, this is, okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, whatever. Um, yeah. So then she's like, kind of starts to, like, empower her a little bit. And be like, you know, don't have such a poor opinion of herself. Which she says multiple times throughout the series. Like, you have a very poor opinion of herself. Which Ann Walker definitely does. Yeah. And that just starts the, the general yeah. thing. And really, if you read the book, too, it was kind of Anne Shoma was saying there was a lot of red flags early in the relationship that Anne was the analyst was going to have trouble dealing with Anne Walker's mental health because yeah. like having a poor no one did it herself. for her. For so yeah. Long. Yeah. It just yeah. shows that she's got there's a lot of work to be done with and on Anne Walker to get her to a place where she's like. Healthy. Millie healthy. And she does yeah. get to that point, but then obviously things go south when Aunt Lister dies. But that's a story. But in the course of the series, she does actually kind yeah, of yeah, get there. Sure. And it's yeah. beautiful. I mean, it's hard. It's a long journey there. But when she does, it's like. <sighs> yeah, I mean, her. it's just like a revolutionary moment for her. Um, and then, oh, I will say the line is like, I've been here for hours. How did that happen? And then like look straight into the camera. And, like, and it was like the eye rays. And then I think we cut to title sequence. And yeah. I was like, oh, excellent. Chef's it. kiss. Um. Then we get to Christopher Ross and tote stealing coal and the flooding of coal is presented as a big bad incident, which comes to play later in the finale. Um, Because it's like, well, we, you can accuse him of it. You can investigate, but definitely he can turn the water on at any time. And then you have one. Episode two, correct me. This is the two, 226 pounds. Yes, 17 oh, we'll shillings yes. and sixpence. Oh, is that what it is? I think it is 226 pounds, 17 shillings and sixpence. Yes. I'm um, pretty sure that's what it is. Basically, Anne realizes, like, all right, I'm going to tell them the rate that I want, uh, which is, as say it again. 226 pounds, 17 shillings and sixpence. Right. So she tells her the, them that price, and they're like, this is what, this is the price they would make to compensate for the coal that they've stolen. I can't overtly accuse you of stealing my coal. This is how I'm going to get out of you. And they're like, mm, that's ridiculous. That's preposterous. You're being unreasonable. You're a woman. Boo. We're not doing that. Also, like, she's totally on to us. But how it becomes like this really weird, like, power. Yeah. And I mean, like, there's so many of these moments, like, and, and versus men. Ugh. It's kind of like my kink a little bit. Like, and versus all these men. And she just will not back down. And it's very empowering for me as a woman in an industry that's very full of, full of yeah. men. Yes. It is like, it's like really inspired me to kind of stand up for myself. Absolutely. And then, like, you don't know this better than I do. I have done the math. I'm yeah. sorry to do I can rattle it off con- with yeah. confidence. Yeah, that scene, there was a really good Ooh, interview. So I think good. it was a SAG after uh, QA that Salary Run Saran Jones did. And she said, you know, I got the page. It was like a page and a half of dialogue. And the lady, the host was like, what did you feel? And she was like, I basically just like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> uh, like here's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Sally Brainard was like, yeah, it was like a page and a half of dialogue. We literally sat there watching the scene today, and I literally went, Could, I bet she, like, looked at the stage yeah. and was like... Oh. She said she, when she did it, she was just yeah. like... 
she said, I don't even know what I was talking about. Like in the recap, yeah. when they did, she said, I didn't know what I was talking about. So it was just like pure memorization. Oh, shout out to her for like yeah. finding the beats within something yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah. So then she does actually try to investigate the gig crash. Um, that opened the series because that small child who has since lost a leg, which is yeah. like very sad. And like, and she's like looking also to provide, cause this is one of her tenants. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like trying to like figure out what happened. Um, and she goes to ask the kid and has a moment and the kid is like, Oh, are you a man? And it becomes this really like touching because you initially assume she's going to get super mad about it. Cause it's like, you know, obviously no one likes to be misgendered. She's misgendered quite a, but like even up yeah. to this point, but it was a really yeah. beautiful moment. Cause like I said, Henry Hardcastle, yeah. all these, a lot of these like tertiary ish characters, my it did maybe exist by name only in her journal and a yeah. couple things, but in terms of her really getting in their lives and stuff, this has all been f- pretty much fictionalized for this show. Henry Hardcastle is um kind of uses a device for Anne to kind of explain. Sally Reinhardt's really good at doing exposition, but making it make sense for the plot. Yeah, she's doing some exposition yeah. on Anne's identification with her gender, um, through a boy asking like an honest question. And it makes sense because she's going to check up on ten, and it plays in a part of a bigger story of like, yeah. basically pulling back the layers and showing just how like uh, dastard, dastardly uh, Christopher Lawson. But it's also you know she's like ah oh, that is a question, and she like pauses and like and you're honestly not the first person to ask. And she tells a story that's like very like sad in, in the way that she delivers it, where she's like you know I was she was like I was out trying to be Paris. feminine, as yeah. feminine as I could be. She was she's like I curled my hair, I was out here feeling myself. She's like very gay, very ladylike, which yeah. is a fantastic line. Um, I'm a lady. I'm a woman. I'm a lady, lady woman, woman. I'm a woman, <laughs> which yeah. is like clearly like it's just such an awkward moment. But it's also organic. She's like, you know, I was misgendered one day. I tried to be the most femme like I could make myself. But you know what I mean? And that makes sense. Yeah. And she was still the way that she walks, the way she carries herself is still so coded as masculine for the time yeah. that, you know, and and I, I could see that like being like a hurt, you know, a thing a thing that stings. But at the same time, she's like so used to it and so inured to it that she's able to shrug it off and to, you know, and also and she doesn't take it personally because like it's a kid who's genuinely asking and not asking with a sense of like snideness or commentary. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just, like I said, it's a really like beautiful way to do exposition as well. Yeah, um, and then we also get into that later, which we should. We will talk about it later yeah. episode of how Mariana took her like presentation. Oh yeah, um, there's like a lot on that. That was a huge kind of it's sort of an undoing of their relationship, really. Um, that and, then, and the fact that she married Charles Law, yeah. but oh, the big thing. yeah, that was the big thing. And then the secondary stuff was like Mariana's unwillingness to really truly accept her for who she is. Which yeah. if you're gonna be with somebody and it lasts, it has to. And see, Anne Walker always fully, and we get and it comes up in this episode. Anne Walker yeah. always fully accepted. She never batted an eyelid with the way she dressed or anything. Yeah, and again, in the way in which, obviously, the way she dresses in the show with the cravat and the the waistcoat and things like that, that, as we talked about in the previous episode, is, you know, kind of what to our modern eye and our modern understanding of period costumes, because period costumes often look close to the thing that they are, but they are not what it would be at the time for a number of reasons in terms of, like, practicality of shooting um, you know, expense, but also comfort of the performer who has to like run around and do a bunch of things. But also it's like, this is what, cause like if you ever watch like a, like a Tudor drama or something like that, you know, the costumes are even bigger and more elaborate than yeah. that. And they're stylized for our contemporary imagination. 
And that is a thing that they were very deliberate about I, from what I've gleaned and what I've heard of, like, the estimation of her dress. Yeah, there's... um To look masculine. We have some us. stuff. We yeah. know that she wore a hat. You yeah. Know, we can see that in pictures she wore, like, uh, certain things. But, I mean, yeah, it was kind of insinuated that she was dressing in men's clothing at the time, but feminized, so they did a pretty good job of doing that. I love um, it, yeah. And also, too, I mean, it is uncomfortable. In fact, because Anne Lister walks around so much and is so fast-paced... They had Saran Jones in a normal corset, mm. but it started like literally giving her welts in her body from the Ooh, chain, from yeah. the, the friction. So they had to switch it to like a whalebone, like mm. one that dancers use. Oh, interesting. So her move, so she wouldn't get like chafing from yeah from the uh, from the oh, corset. So she can like breathe and having to sit and yeah. stand and do yeah. all these things. Because analyst was just such a yeah. physical. It is such a physical role. Um, yeah. She really struggled with that. So they'd like give her a brand new corset and everything. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad you knew that de- that costume yeah, detail. Yeah, I'm your source of all behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so Anne also briefly mentions a plan to jazz up Shibden, potentially mm-hmm. to have a new, you know, more wealthier part, to make it more acceptable yeah. for a wealthier partner. And, to and come she goes by. on that, that, uh, that diatribe about, you know, that yeah. Shibden Let's should, just... like, present the elegance of its, like, history. It's been around since Henry V and all this stuff. Um and Lister has a very high opinion of herself, and it comes off as snooty. And she was kind of like a snob. Like, she was, yeah. I think she was a good person, but she was very, like, classist. And she was very, like, she always wanted to be much higher than her mm. one station. So she did put money to the estate. And even when she married Ann Walker, and she had her income to mess yeah. with, too, it, she did even mm. more upgrades mm. to the house. A lot of what is in Shibden today that makes it look like it does was because of Ann Lister. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, and because also it was the ha- oldest, and she makes a point of saying it's the oldest house in Halifax at that time. So yeah. it's like you know, probably a century plus years old, even for even for back then. So, yeah. um, and it was around during Henry V. It is more than a hundred years. Oh old. wait, that house was from yeah. He Henry. said he said uh, she said Shibden Hall has been around since Henry V. Henry V would Henry that was, was fifteen hundred. So this is going back to fourteen. We're talking like sit like. Uh, 14. 14 yeah, at least 14, if not the tail end of 13. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, yeah, and then we jump back to the lesbians. Um, and Walker kind of complains about, you know, like how, well, she talks about how protective her family is, right, against yeah. people trying to, like, pursue her for her fortune. And primarily it's meant in a romantic way. But then Ann Lister's like, Oh, she, Ann Walker, like, kind of offhand makes a comment of, like, oh, I have a cousin asking for, like, 500 pounds, which $500 today is not anything to sneeze at. 500 pounds contemporary is, like, close to $750, $800. Back then, that was maybe, like, a definitely, like, a year's income for most, you know, like, a big, it's it was a yeah. healthy a sum. income for some people. For, or, and more than that for, sure. like, depending on your class. Um, and so it's just like, oh, I don't know how to get out of it. And she's like, well, I'll teach you how to write a strongly worded letter, you yeah. know, and it kind of helps her and Lister, you know, helping empower, helping her find her voice and do the things that she wants to do anyway. Not even like influencing her in the sense of don't give your cousin money or anything, but the sort of thing is like, do does anyone pay these back to you? Do they just yeah. assume as a matter of course, you're going to give it to she them? She lived a very yeah. like passive life before Enlister. Yeah. Because she didn't know she how, didn't to, know how to. Yeah, it yeah. something Ann taught her was to be certain. She used to develop over the season to be more assertive and like stand up for herself more, which she really needed to do if she's going to protect like her this massive fortune that she's come into. Absolutely. Um, and then Ann Walker mentions going on a three week trip to the Lake District. 
Um, and Anne really, like, Anne Lister really takes it hard in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, Well, I think she thought for a minute she was going, she, the way she was talking about Catherine, she was like, oh, does she have a thing with her? With her cousin. And in yeah. fact, there is a deleted scene in the mm. script from another episode where Anne asked her about Catherine Ross and mm. if they've ever been intimate. Because oh. Anne was really curious if they had. There's a lot of fan fiction about that, too, by the way. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's also a sort of thing with, like, Anne, but, like, the way this person is characterized in the show is, like, yeah, that idea is so, yeah. no, thank yeah. you. Um but it's so interesting because she's like now also because you think about three weeks in the Lake District, like even if they can write to each other, it's like definitely not the same. It would probably take nearly as long for the letters to get, you yeah. know, probably take a week to get each letter each way. And so she's like, I know, kind of like worried about losing her momentum in the relationship and losing yeah. her footing. With and this she woman. might have interest in another woman who she, you know, they're not, she's not really sure. She doesn't know. Yeah. Um, and so she is and her jealous, with a pen knife. And her jealous rage breaks the pen knife that Catherine Rawson gave to Anne. Do you, I don't think it's jealous, right? I think it was genuine, genuinely, no, like, she was, she's, like, distressed and, like, just, just, like, flung it, you know? Yeah, just, she, I think she was, like, jealous of that, because I've been in that position yeah. before, where it's just, like, hearing somebody talk about somebody that they could other be interested in or something that's going to take them away from you, you do just, I mean, I've, like, you know, wanted to, like, you do, you just get tense. Yeah. Just, I can see how, like, a paper knife you would be holding and get really tense and just, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, and it, seemed, it was small and, like, small enough that it didn't yeah. take terribly much force, and it looked, like, very, like, elegant, so it was, like, pretty easy to snap. But um, the th- question she asked immediately after that, I'm like, that is, like, like if you ever listen to, not talk about other podcasts on our podcast, but they were also awesome, shifted in After Dark, they were like, oh, no, it was a total conspiracy, so that she could ask the follow-up question of, like, or, or lay the follow-up groundwork of being, um, oh, Anything I I could replace it, but anything I gave you, I doubt it would hold the same level of like emotional sen- like sentimentality. And Anne like rushes over with like a handkerchief and is like holding her hand and is like, oh, you know, it totally would, you know, it's fine. And then in that moment, she's like, oh, hope isn't lost. Then yeah. you know, what I mean, which um, you know, she is kind of a she's a manipulator, but like, but in the sense that it's like not to an immediate. Go, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, manipulation, but it's not like yeah. it's not like manipulation where it's like dastardly. It's it's no, manipulation because I've been in that position too. You have to like really get these situations to work in your favor. And if you've been kind of burned as many times as Ann Lister has, you really have to be careful with who you're getting involved with. So mm-hmm. for her, it's kind of just like making sure it's it, worth the emotional the, that it's right for her to kind yeah. of like get in there and like make a move. But I also think it's like this sort of type of manipulation that's common in flirting, where you like engineer situations, you engineer. Uh, a leading question, shall yeah. we say, to assess if this person is into you or not. Um, like that's definitely, you know, something I, you know, I'm de- like not, I can't break a pen knife. I don't have the upper body strength for that. But, um, you know, the sort of thing of like leading into a, like a question or something like that, or like, oh, this wouldn't matter if I did this and getting the person to kind of admit how much you mean to them. Yeah. Like just to make sure like, am I going forward? Is this worth doing? Oh, then they make plans to go abroad together. Yeah. Potentially. She's like, would you like to go to Switzerland with me? And it's just kind of like, like kitty. she's like one up being, you know, Catherine Moss and they're like, you know, okay, you know, like district, we do you want to go to Switzerland with me in the spring and then on to Rome for the, the, the carnival and at Easter. Yeah. And yeah. then, and Walker's like, I've never been out of England before yeah. and just looks so like delighted and yeah. it's very pure and very adorable. Um, uh, John, do we go back downstairs to servant drama? John attempts romantic overtures for Eugenie. 
but obviously neither of them speak each other's language. Um, so it was just kind of like, you're purely into this woman because she's hot. And like mm-hmm. maybe, maybe a little exoticism. I don't, is she canonically biracial? Uh, uh, I'm really not sure. Series. I mean, I saw books. John and Tim. I think he's a really good guy. I think for him, no, it was just no. like, when Courtney said that, I was like, well, my kids need a mom and I could, you know, use a wife. Yeah. Here's this girl. It's kind of almost like convenience. But also, like, he's a good guy, so I think he really would to like protect to make her, her happy and you know, try to no, be a good husband. I 100% believe that. He seems like a genuinely upright guy in the fact that he's like, oh, you know, she's in a tough spot. Yeah. We can do this. It, we can be, it can be a win-win all around. But it's also, like, kind of to underscore the point of, like, how easy it is for, like, heterosexual marriage. Yeah. Then and now, where it's like you can literally, you know, oh, we can just get married. Yeah. We can just do it. You know, versus, like, this long saga that we're watching in eight episodes, the journey to, you know, a secret marriage is not there's, legally recognized. There's a lot of contrasting yeah. relation, heterosexual relationships yeah. to their queer relationship and how easy a matter of fact it was for queer, for sorry, how easy a matter, matter of fact it was for straight people to get together. Just yeah, for any reason. For any reason. Yeah. You know, like, with, with Thomas Alden and Joanna in later episodes and then um, with, with uh, John Booth and Eugenie right now. Um, it shows you just how, like, matter-of-fact it was. Whereas, like, here you have Ann Lister and Walker, like, really, you know, this, it, this season's about really them struggling mm-hmm. to finally be together. Um, it's just this beautiful contrast that is kind of happening. You wouldn't really think about that, but yeah. going back to these episodes and kind of picking the part like we've been doing, I've been realizing that it's just, like, this really beautiful contrast and, like, ease of relationships. Especially yeah. in that last, their wedding scene where it's yeah. between the two different ones. Yeah, which we will... We have a lot Heavily to dissect that, that one. Yes, 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 yes. Um, then we jump back to Crow's Nest, um, and we get to the episode title about studying anatomy. Yeah. So, like, she's telling a wild story about, like, men in Paris generally. Yeah, they're in a theater. She's like a certain type of theater. So it's like a sex. It's like basically burlesque like. burlesque, maybe. Yeah, you go to, yeah. like, a porn theater. But, like, Anne went there with Maria Barlow because she would know about it. Yeah. Yeah, so... Rick Barlow was out Mary Barlow here. was a freak leak Yeah. And I want to yeah. know more. Do you think we'll get a spin-off of Maria Barlow? I don't know. That. I mean, they bothered to cast her for this very... The most graphic yeah. sex scene of the whole show. The only graphic sex scene the only. we get in the whole show. It was hot, though. Like, I was like, oh. I, it, like, kind of, like, got my expectations up for the rest of the show. Yeah, in that moment, I was just, like, watching it, and, like... It, like, hits you out of nowhere. I was with my mom when but it's like, it's this. like Game of Thrones. it's like Game of Thrones would sometimes hit you with, like, this real... And it was so, like, male-gazy about mm-hmm. it, too, where it was just, like, oh, a woman's just... Her boobs are out. They're in a brothel doing exposition for, like, yeah. literally no reason. Yeah. But in this one, the, you know, not even romantic moment, the sexual... The romantic moments, you sit in and you linger, mm-hmm. and you talk... And it's a lot of talking, a lot of looks, a lot of, like hands touching stuff like that the sex scenes are like they're in a, like yeah. blink of an eye like even the one that we had in the pilot with um mariana mariana thank you is um like literally there for a second and then they go into a full conversation about their relationship which yeah. but i'm glad they flash back to maria barlow because she's in this intimate one with ann walker where it's very innocent and sweet yeah. but then it flashed back like oh ann lister is like she she i mean she really did love sex and love women. And so she has this whole She's past. 41. So she's yeah. had time to figure out. But also, like, all these women kept getting married on her. So every time Yeah, no, she, Maria Barlow did not get married. 
Oh, they just like, Ann Lister got tired of her. She couldn't. Oh, yeah. She got because Maria Barlow was thirsty for Ann Lister, mm. like hardcore, and Ann Lister just got bored of her. Ann Lister is very much someone like she's into you until you give her too much attention and you make things yeah, too easy, yeah. and then she. That's kind of what it was. Maria Barlow just like wanted her all the time, and it was like great, but then. It just kind of like fizzled out for her. Yeah. yeah, I think they kind of. Rem- I don't know if they're. I think they kind of like kept in contact. Yeah. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on this, but I think yeah. they kind of kept in contact. Um, I hope so because I'd love to see that. Because that'd be. I really want to see like Ann Walker come in to understand what Ann Lister was like when she was young. So we yeah. got a taste of that with this very graphic, like oral sex sex scene. Like the script says, it says like we like smash oh. cut to to Maria Bar- Barlow in the middle of like a multiple orgasm. Wow, that's yeah. what it says, and it's like very—it's very quick, and it cuts back, and then it's like her, like the look on her face of member, like I just, she's like, oh, I, did, you know, a lot of people go to Paris for that. She's like, not me. I was just there to study anatomy. Cut to that scene, cut away, and there's just like a moment, and then they're like, so have you ever like kissed anyone? Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, what a segue. <laughs> let me yeah. tell you. Um, and then they start, and you know, Ann Walker says like no i was like oh are you afraid to just tell me or mm-hmm. so did she actually say like oh i did it just to see what it's like or i've always wanted to just to know what kissing is like i think she said i've always wanted to know what it's like which we know yeah you know, that unfortunately she was sexually assaulted by reverend ainsworth so yeah and that involved kissing but i think but it was what she, she wasn't going to admit that yeah and also i think you know obviously that doesn't that doesn't count, count in the sense you know as such where it's like this was not a consensual thing that she wanted to happen that was not out of yeah. affection that she gave so it's like you know, I've had someone kiss me, but yeah. I've never kissed Well, me. now in reality, here's the true story. This kind of like takes out of like the lesbian and can it, yeah. you think she was a lesbian? Um, maybe. She had a boyfriend before Ann Lister that she actually really cared about. That wasn't, yeah. that wasn't Ann Lister. And she was like, she loved, I think if I, if I remember the book right, was in love with him or something. Yeah. Like, it was, like, a real relationship, but it just didn't work out. Yeah. So she was interested genuinely in a man, not just, like, because it was thrown her, like, genuinely interested in one. Yeah. And in the show, it never really talks about her, like, admitting that she was just like Ann Lister. I do think she was... But I, I, I don't want to label her, because yeah. I don't think she ever labeled herself, but I don't no. think she, like, completely disliked men like Ann Lister did. No, and the, but I mean, it's also, like, it's all a spectrum. Like, she could, you know, be, it could be the sort of thing where it's like, oh, I very much like this person yeah, during this because of my when, life, but I only, but, like, generally women, you know. Yeah, she confessed that to Ann Lister when they started getting more intimate. She's yeah. like, I have had feelings for a man before, like, you know. It wasn't, she wasn't as innocent here as she is, was in real life. Yeah. And because Ann, Ann Lister thought, because when Ann Walker got so thirsty there, like, after they yeah. first kissed, she and Lister thought she has not. She has done some some something before. She's mm. too eager for this stuff to to be like well, a virgin. Twenty nine. So yeah. it's like you know you think about how young most women were married. You know, depending on your class, but like especially of this class, like yeah. ideally you're married at like twenty twenty two. Yeah. Twenty five. It's like whoa, you're pushing it. Yeah. So and the, we're both twenty seven years old and yeah. married. And like just like oh, whatever. That's so our generation. That's our generation. Though. Yeah, that's our generation. But also, it's generally it's like. Yeah, if you've never had anyone, you know, and you want, you know, closest, not even just sex, but like intimacy, closest kissing, and you obviously can't have it because it's the 19th century and everything is bad. You know, yeah. everything, you know, before marriage is, you know, verboten. And like, of course, she's like excited the first time that someone shows interest in her that she's been interested in him for a decade. Mm-hmm. You know, she's thought about for a decade, which is why she's like, so like, oh my goodness, 
<laughs> you know, like crushes it to me. Ah! Yeah. You know, and I was but like, she also was like, it's like you said when we were watching it, when Anne finally says, like, I think you're a little bit in love with me. It's, I don't think she that was horrified. Panic. She yeah. was just like, it was like a little like gay panic. Like, yeah. it was just like, oh no, what do I do? And then I don't think she'd ever really considered that she could be in love with a woman. Exactly. Like she'd never really, like it was yeah. a fantasy, but it never really come to life. And she was like, oh, this is, this is happening. And she probably couldn't have articulate, if you had asked her even prior to this to articulate exactly what she wanted and Lister to be in her life, she probably could not have said. Yeah. She would not have said life partner. Then they get into a moment of like, you know, oh, you know, kind of almost propositioning her for a kiss. And mm-hmm. then she goes, you know, I think, I think you're a little bit in love with me. Have I misread it? And, um, Gay panic ensues. Yeah. But it's also the sort of thing where it's like, she's sitting there. It never occurred to, you know, it's the sort of thing. It was like, as someone who's came to her queerness very, very late in life, yeah. as in within like the last year, hashtag 20 by team. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the sort of thing is like, Oh, I'm very close to this person. They're my friend. They're like my favorite, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then as you start to realize like, there is a certain level of like denial, even, even in like today and eight, you know, where yeah. like things are accepted. And I am very lucky to come from a family that was very accepting and affirming and like a church family that's also like that as well. But it's the sort of thing where it's like, you do feel the complex, you know, like you do, there is like the nervousness, yeah. you know, you don't know how to process it if you haven't had your queer awakening, you know, prior to that. If you, yeah. if you weren't like someone who knew they were gay at five, you know, or six or seven. <laughs> like, are you talking about me? Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Was it five for you? Yeah, oh, I mean, okay. I, I knew that I was like women at five. <laughs> but I didn't know what gay was. So I couldn't put a right. name to it until I was around like 15. But five years old, I remember like my mom watching soap operas and like me thinking the girls in them were like really pretty and feeling like kind of like that. <gasps> The excitement and like the yeah. attraction because you're five years old, you're not sexually mature, so you can't really feel certain no. things. But as much as you can feel being pre like a, a being drawn to someone, pre pubescent child, yeah. Then, yeah, you can feel that. This is the sort of thing where it's like you you have to have this like a little existential crisis in the way of like, is this really how I feel for this person? Okay, but then what does that mean about me? Where do I fit in in this society yeah. that is? It does very, a really good job of like okay. showing it, yeah. and, and because it's relatable to you and me, it shows that yeah. like, hey, I know this was literally like almost a hundred years ago at this point. Yeah. But it's like something that's still very relatable to, or no, I'm sorry, almost 200 years ago at this point. Um, yeah. It's still, oh it's, still, yeah. it's still very relatable to us. Like, oh, we've been there. So it's like, it's 200 years ago, but at the same time, it's like, this could be happening today too. A hundred percent. But the same amount of gay panic and like, you know, flirty and type stuff. Yeah. But also, you know, having someone that does, that you are willing to, you know, you know, go through the risk in their case, like a significantly higher social risk yeah. than now, but you're willing to explore that with someone to yeah. willing to roll the dice with, with someone like, you know, it, uh, taking it, taking a very special person to help you yeah. realize that. Um, so all is going, <laughs> all going according to plan for Ann Lister. So she kicks it with other auntie Anne. She's someone. No, else. she no. goes, Oh, I just dear viewers, dear viewers, Carrie does still doesn't know the name of the cast, the cast by now. No, I, I give them fill, nicknames. I will I fill it in. Names. So after this, Anne goes to see Eliza Priestley, who is Anne's cousin. Not Miranda Priestley, and, as I call her in the, our yeah, final episode. She goes to see Eliza Priestley, who's like, Anne's like, is an Anne stan as of right now. She doesn't know she like actually screws girls. So um, Anne stan Eliza Priestley's house. And, and basically she's saying that she is really happy that like, or oh, Anne tells her that she and Anne with no E are like friends now. Yeah. 
uh, and how happy she is and how like she's, she's doing friend. better. Yeah, and how know, and she's like and Eliza's like happy that she finally has a friend and it, it just kind of confirms and even though she literally just and Anne Walker freaked out on her. She has that we have that two camera before she comes in. She's like, you know, she's just remember she's just now realized she can mm-hmm. fall in love, in love with the woman. She's like, mm-hmm. well, in love with me. Yeah. You know, she has that kind of cockiness. So she knows though that it, she can still read through Anne stuff that she's yeah. like delighted mm-hmm. to to have her affection. And then you have that beautiful scene where Anne's mm-hmm. in the windowsill looking out with her like bloody handkerchief. Yes. And you can tell, like, oh, she feels the same way. She just is, you know. Figuring out it, what she that needs means. space to process it, and yeah. like that, you know, it's valid. Like if you are, if she literally figured out lesbianism in that moment for the first time, let her have a minute. Yeah, let her have the night. To yeah, sleep it does. It, it does a good job of like yeah. be- between that scene with Eliza Priestley yeah. and that scene with just Anne and the, like the really beautiful close up moments. And that's something too I want because if you really get into that more in this yeah. episode, when mm-hmm. Anne and Anne are being intimate, or there's this moment of like. Uh, like emotionally, a, intimate. emotionally yeah. intimate moment, the camera goes from being on like sticks or tripod or on steady cam to handheld. That it's nice like very voyeuristic. It's yeah. got that, that bokeh background. There's always yeah. like a really strong like light source coming in, whether it's natural or like a little bit of a lens flare. Yeah, but and not it's really just that intimate moments. Yeah, and I know Saran Jones said when you're playing those intimate moments, it almost it made it easier because you just felt that way because it was just mm. you and the cameras. Um, and I really is that's a beautiful cinematography choice and they did a bit in episode one but it was always in moments where she was being vulnerable those moments of vulnerability between Anne and Anne yeah. Whether separately or together, that camera goes off the tripod, off the steady cam, and goes into somebody's hands. And yeah. It's just more intimate. That's a really beautiful cinematography. They're they really good at using editing and cinematography to aid the story, which is what makes good editing and cinematography. It's got to aid the story. Yeah, it does. It, it 100% does. Yeah. Um, speaking of cutting away, we shoot back to the world downstairs where John Booth asks his, like, a, somehow he has a ginger daughter, a blonde daughter, and a brunette daughter. And I'm like, yeah. What and are the, the recessive the, genes? The footman, here? Jo- the footman John Booth. Bo- yes. Booth, the footman Booth. Who's very sweet. And yeah, he's, he's like, got blonde hair too. That's his son. So he's got two blonde kids. Interested in courting Eugenie. Yeah. Um, and asks his daughters, like, what would you think if I were to get married again? And they promptly ether him by being like, who would have you, father? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> um, but he seems very sweet. He seems like such a sweet dad. I was like, honestly, like, I don't super care about the dancer stuff. But I want more of it in season two. If it's yeah. more, if it's like John Booth being like a cool dad. Um, then we cut across again to Anne investigating the gig accident with Chris Rawson, who is trash and like genuinely like, oh, you know, we'll never know. Whatever, I hate that whatever. such a trash man is such a cute dog, though. I know that dog was so- <laughs> the dog falls in favor and him. He's so trash. I oh, don't know. In one it. episode, he's like sits on a chair, like this very nice antique chair in the background of like this lawyer's office. And I was like, this dog is my favorite. Yeah. Um, I think I made him up like a favorite prop in one of these episodes. Yeah. Um, then we jump back to Ann Walker and her very chatty cousin, Catherine, um, you know, basically like, how many hats are you going to bring? I'm going to bring seven. I'm like, seven hats, girl? What? Yeah, it was just uh, like typical girl talk. And then she basically like, she reels her <laughs> for always talking about Ann Lister. I was like, duh, she's in love with her. You always talk about the person you like a lot to your friends. Oh, yeah. And it's inadvertent. Um, yeah, it's inadvertent. But too. then it's also the sort of thing where she's like, oh, she's, you know what people say about her? And, and it's like, no, it's like that. She, you know, is 
can't be trusted with women. She's like, yeah. well, what do you mean? And then Catherine actually doesn't actually know what that means. Yeah. She only heard, don't leave her yeah, around. It just never occurred to her what it is. So she's like, I don't know. That's just what people say. And then I wrote Anne Walker, tally ho to being a bad bitch. <laughs> Which, um, at one point she's like, no, 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 I won't accept that tell me what your issue is with her. And they're like, oh, um, you know, she's kind of like a man. Like she like walks funny and she like dresses weird. And she's like, that's not a good enough reason to yeah. like dunk on someone and to have like spread rumors. Like she's done nothing to you. She's done nothing to anyone yeah. as far as I know. And that's something yeah. really good too, because you have Mariana in the last episode saying that Anne should confront for more. Yeah. And then you have Anne Walker in this episode saying that there's nothing wrong with her. She's perfect the way she is, which is just a huge indicator that Anne Walker is the right woman for her. Yeah. Uh, and does the crap ton of coal math, which we've broken yeah. down before. 226 pounds, 17 shillings and six pence. I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeehaw. Let's, we'll check that later in the show yeah. notes. Um, but that math, uh, Saran Jones just like, you know. Shout out. Slow clap because yes. that was just a great performance. I know that I had to like stress her out like a lot. Then uh, the Rossons actually uh, talk through Ann Lister's backstory. And a, a bit of it we touched on, touched on episode yeah. one where it's like, they were actually the poor relations of, you know, and kind of dysfunctional family. And then he, she, Ann Lister was given the home uh, at Shibden Hall, which definitely moved her yeah. and her family station up in life. Um, she was sent away to boarding school and then sent back. And that is yeah. the moment where Jeremiah Rosen learns, um, is like, I was like, oh, because she likes the ladies. Yeah, she, she did, that was really why she got kicked out. Uh, she met yeah. her first, like, love, Eliza Rain. And actually, Rain sounds like a Gen Z pop artist. Yeah, she was <laughs> dated her, and they were like going to get married. They were in love. They were like, they were planning their lives together, like fifteen. So very gay. Um, but then Anne, you know, got the hoe bug and was like trying to date other girls too. And Liza found out, and they broke up. And Liza Rain never recovered. She spent the rest of her life in a mental institution from getting the, broken up with. That there must be something. Else no, there. I'm She's not 15. joking. It's in the book. She didn't, she never recovered from that. And she oh, spent the no. rest of her life in a mill institution. Oh, sick. In fact, it's in the book that it was either when she was coming back to Shibden or somewhere mm. when she was leaving and coming back, she'd made a stop by Eliza mm. Ray. And she visited her mm. in the And in continued the to see her. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, she still like, because I, I guess she felt bad. I mean, yeah. honestly, somebody's got other problems too, but like after that kind of breakup and then uh, Anne getting sent away. She did, like, she spent the rest of her life in a mental institution. That's not that is history. <laughs> oh, my fact. gosh. Yeah. yeah. But they had, like, basically, she was, like, they had they snuck away and, like, had sex a bunch and, you know, how we're together. We're going to spend the rest of her life together. They answered, like, hoeing around with other girls and it, like, didn't go well. And then she mm -hmm. got kicked out of boarding school. Which, the I, gay, gay drama. But also, is that not the most, like, badass reason to get kicked yeah, out of boarding yeah. school? <laughs> I can see her, yeah. like, not caring. Like, she's like, whatever. Just, like, but also, like, I feel like they must have already shared... That like that sort of situation, like I think at that time, like multiple girls would be there, like definitely shared rooms for sure, yeah. if not beds. Yeah. Just depending on the quality. Yeah, it was apparently pretty easy for yeah. them to carry on an affair. Oh, super yeah. easy. As long as you, I guess you had chill roommates, I guess. Yeah. Ooh. But um, yeah, circling back away from that, um, the Rossins basically admit to the Cole thing and they're like, We're not gonna give in to her thing. We're gonna like wait her out on this deal. Um, then Anne Lister, as Anne Walker prepares to go to the Lake District, gives her a little gondola from her time in Venice yeah. and is like, wear it always, and it is super adorable. It is yeah. so and cute. if you if you really watch all the episodes, there's pretty much no time that she's out with Anne Anne Lister that she doesn't have that pin on. 
Yeah. It's it, always on her. Yeah. Was that like a canonical thing that she gave her or uh, something similar? Or maybe it was just like a visual metaphor for like some other I don't gift. know. Yeah. I can't okay. Um, so yeah, that's about it for this episode. They prepare to part ways. Yeah. I um, love when they're like, they almost, if Catherine had yeah. come bust, I think they would have kissed. Because she 100%. was like, I'll miss you. And she was like, I'll miss you. It just, I watched that day. I like really felt like, oh, they like, they needed like literally like two more minutes. I think they would have kissed in that room yeah. that day. Yeah. Um, but she also talks about, it's like, oh, I don't want to go to this wedding, which we're referring yeah. to Veer, Veer Hogarth's wedding. Yeah. Um, and she's like, I'll do that. That doesn't happen. That's happened sex. Oh, this episode. This is this episode. Okay, yeah. I just stopped taking notes after turn, but I guess. Um, so yeah, so they part ways and she's like, I don't want to go to this wedding, which like going to your ex's wedding is whew. Yeah. Um, there's a moment when she does receive the invitation, she rips it up and throws it across the room. Um, but she goes and yeah. she comes into the church and is watching the ceremony happen and is like a dark figure against like a spot of like uh they had her wearing I think they had her in white, which is like not was not a thing at the time, or like a light pale color. Yeah, what, she had a white wedding. Yeah, or like she was in that, but I'm like that's not common because like Queen Victoria was the one that made Sorry, white. That, yeah, yeah. Um, it was like a trendy thing that she just did because most people were brighter, like more extravagant colors. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, then Anne's there in her like full black get up. Yeah, and she black. stands out the crowd. Uh, yeah, Everyone's her, in pastels. Yeah. Um, but she's sitting there and she's definitely like close to tears and a fantastic moment. Yeah, like, and there's all the, you know the, the, pre, the what what do you call the Anglican Church a priest pastor? Yeah, so a priest. Yeah, yeah. The, the priest is there talking about mm-hmm. marriage and what it means. Like you know that Anne Lister strongly believes in marriage, deeply monogamous. So yeah. yeah, and so it's like hard for her to hear that. And there's this woman that she really wanted, but is getting over because she's definitely really into Anne Walker. Yeah, but she's still painful because it was a loss for her. And I like I trust me. I've seen like plenty of girls I've like move on and be with men or women or whatever else. And it's really hard to watch that, even if you are generally like happy for them. Because I think at the end, even if it, it's a thank you next, yeah, because situation. I mean, you yeah. see that her and Vera do remain friends. Mm-hmm. And you see that at the end of it, she is, like, as happy mm-hmm. for her as she can be. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but it's, like, very beautiful. She comes up to her in the wedding and, you know, is basically, like, and you're, like, clearly shocked that she actually came. Yeah. But, like, touched. Yeah. And it's, like, a tender moment where she's, like, you know, it's clear that she's, like, I feel it, she kind of gives the impression that she feels guilty that she couldn't reciprocate that love, yeah. but also is definitely very afraid of it. And she was, like, I'm not like that. And in that moment, I interpreted it as, like, this is not the life I want to lead per yeah. se and not nece- even necessarily like a safe thing for a woman at that time. Like not that it would be persecuted in the same way two men would be, but in the sense of like, it's not stable to not have an income or, the, yeah. or not to not have children as an investment yeah. in your future, or at the very least have an extended family of like your husband's family who will take care of you yeah. when your husband goes. Um, Cause it's basically building a bigger social network to take care of you when you're gone. Yeah. And so you know, I, it's a practicality thing, but also in the moment where she goes, I do like, think Vera not, Hobart was generally like heterosexual too. And I, I think, think so too. And it. like, and, or like at the very least, maybe only not even bi, but I think bi- she was bi curious yeah, for like a like, minute. Yeah. She let Anne Lister get a little close to her, but they didn't like full out like have sex so like, or she any, most of They weren't women. totally into it. She wasn't one of like, because Anne Lister only slept yeah. like seven or eight women in her life, and Vera yeah. Hobart was not one of them. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it, it's very interesting where she's like, I'm not like that. And in the context of her being like, no, I'm actually just really not gay. 
uh, or by, you know, for her to be just like, and Anne just kind of accepts it. And she, in reality, you said she did not go to this wedding. In, yeah, in, in reality, this yeah. uh, a big thing, because this is such a huge moment of the show, Anne she didn't go to the wedding. Mm-hmm. And she did not go meet Anne, uh, Anne Walker in the Lake District. That was completely narrative agency on celebrating rights part, which is it's fine. I understand why she did it. But that did not happen. And those were kind of, yeah. that was kind of like a pivotal moment in season, in, uh, sorry, episode two. Yeah. Um, but those two things didn't happen. You know, she waited for... Ann Walker to come back. I think she might have sent her a letter or something. Yeah. And she didn't go to Veer Hobart's wedding, but I think they like kept in contact. And I think it makes sense if you take it as um, a narrative convention where it's like, okay, if we're treating this like a rom-com or a romance, yeah. not really a rom-com, but like a romance where it's like for it to be, as someone who reads a fair amount of romance, like heteros- and predominantly heterosexual, yeah. it's still a thing where it's like, we need to see the closure of the one that got away. Yeah. Um, and obviously like Mariana would be the bigger version of that, but the more immediate, like, Yeah, one. Mariana was in Anne Walker's yeah. place. She had the opportunity to be Anne Walker, would never take Anne up on it. Anne, th- Anne knocked yeah. her down once about it, but it was, like, when she first inherited Shipton and she couldn't do it. Yeah. So it's the sort of thing where it's, like, we needed to see closure here to, to root for the endgame relationship in yeah. it from a narrative storytelling standpoint. Yeah, and it was, it yeah. was Anne... That convinced and in in the in the show it was Anne Walker that convinced Anne to go to the wedding. Yeah, to be to, like go and get you know, yeah, and she obviously does not know the context yeah. at all. But she's but like, what she said was very profound, yeah. and it like this Hit is the her. first time somebody's really able to not. Anne Lister makes her own decisions. Yeah, really seeks that advice mm-hmm. for the people, and it's the yeah. first time she's actually she's actively <laughs> she's actively taking somebody's <laughs> advice. So it really shows she values Anne Walker's opinion. Yeah, and things in in like finds was so it's not just entirely yeah. like. And let and Lister led relationship. This is someone. Yeah, as yeah you're saying, with, with every her. scene that goes by in the show, you become more apparent that Anne Walker and Anne Lister are kind of made for each other and equals, yeah, and they equals. value each other as equals. And so, in that moment, we see her. You know, she has the closure in the church, and it also, I think, it's the wounds of like this has happened so many times yeah. to her. No, trust me, she's I've been there before. Yeah, and so she's like dealing with that, but then you see her like actually give her her blessing, which is yeah. like. But then she, from that moment on, she heads back to her hotel and she's like, Eugenie! <laughs> and then is like throwing off her, the clothes she wore to the wedding and is like, we're going to the late district. Wrap it up. Let's go. Yeah. So, so it's like, yes, now she's had like sort of a cathartic moment. I'm going to go get my girl. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's very sweet. And it's like, okay, we're getting yeah. ready for episode three and where things definitely escalate. But also dramatically. Yeah, but uh, also but that definitely too. that too. All right, so that's pretty much the recap for today. So we're going to drum roll into all of our favorite moments, favorite and, line of uh, dialogue. Uh, my my favorite one is well, I have two favorites. One is um, she's talking about uh, oh, they're talking about children, and, and Ann Walker's like, I like children, I really do. I've just never felt compelled to, and she's like whispers it like give birth and i'm like that's yeah. so cute yeah i'm like i didn't realize that would be like an inappropriate thing to discuss since you like, never talk about that yeah um and then she's like oh and then and and lister's like no it's not really something i've ever felt compelled to do and yeah. then there's a pause and she goes i dissected a baby once yeah and i'm like <laughs> and I'm like that is the weirdest possible flex but yeah. sure where she's like oh you know talk about anatomy and how she's super into medical science and and then she goes on this really adorable um if anyone who's ever like had a crush on or dated an extremely like nerdy person mm-hmm. or someone who has like a lot of like thoughts about a thing. Yeah. Um, and I date someone like this. So I very much, I get when you see that light up in their eyes and you just let them like 
go on and on about it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, even if you don't know what the hell they are talking about, mm-hmm. like it's inherently charming and adorable to see like their face light up and for them to like want to share this idea, you know, and something that's like of such an intellectual interest, but then the emotion behind it is what makes it intimate. Yeah. And it was so precious in that scene. Um, it, when she talks about like the brain is like we're sacks of meat, but our brains. And I'm like, this is like such a galaxy brain. Yeah. You know, when I did it, like Ann Lister thing, but it's so cute. But I'm an Aquarius. And so I was like, nah, I relate to this sort of rant. Um, but then the other one, my favorite joke in the whole series is when um, John Booth comes in and he's like, I think I want to ask Eugenie to marry me. Um, and she's, he's talking accordingly. And she's like, you don't even speak the same language. Like, yeah. what are you going to do? He's like, oh, I think I should court her. Yeah. So he brings flowers. And it's like, oh. Um, and it's like, you don't even know yes or no. And they're like, and she goes, we. And he's like, what? He's like, we. Like, it means yes. And he goes, like, we. <laughs> are you sure? And he's like, and he pauses, like, then what's no? And then yeah. they cut away. It is so, like, like, they cut on the joke, which is perfect. Yeah. But then also, it was just, like, such, like, oh, man. Oh, sweetie. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's gen- I laugh each and every time I watch this joke. And I've, I've watched this episode four or five times easily. Um, how about you? Oh, let me think a minute. Um, my favorite piece of dialogue. I, I have to be when, when Anne at the beginning of the episode says, you know, you're an invalid. You don't look very invalid to me. That's like good. I think that's yeah. such like a beautiful like play on words. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a really nice line that speaks a lot about like Anne's ability to make Anne Walker feel better about herself. Yeah, and it's like not meant in a way that's like denying her pain, like that her yeah. like you know the struggles that she's gone through, but saying like you're not invalid. Like you seem like you are someone who's capable of yeah. so much more. You're a lot stronger yeah. than you think you are. A hundred percent, and that is proven true, and that's really like a beautiful like first yeah romantic overture from Anne Lister to Anne Walker um then our favorite prop and or costume piece of the episode favorite costume piece I picked Marion always wears these really funky like red and blue she wears all like plaid dresses plaid, yeah, yeah which is interesting um love that and then the pet knife that is and snapped like, in twain. I'm going to go with the reciprocal of the, I love the little gondola she gives oh, her because it, it just plays mm-hmm. such a central role. It's just always there. So it means like, you know, it's kind of sealed and means something to Ann Walker. Yeah. She always has it on. She said, when you wear this, you'll always think of me. Yeah. And, and Ann Walker pretty much has it on almost every scene, especially all the really significant scenes of the relationship, like yeah. the proposal and stuff. Mm-hmm. It She's wearing it. It's in all the other scenes. I think it's just really beautifully, this really nice, like, bit of costume design yeah. that is always there. I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. And, like, as someone who wears, like, gifts that people, like, I love jewelry. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I've given, like, an, like my star sign as a necklace. I wear that all the time. Like, not yeah. even just because my girlfriend gave it to me. But it's, like, just also a thing that I like and I like associating it with her. So it's, like, the sort of thing where it's, like, yeah, of course. Like this is this is a thing that is believable and like it is also small enough that it would escape notice yeah. from other people and so it becomes just like their thing, you know. Um and then favorite frame. Ooh, favorite I frame. I think mine mm, it's hard cuz this one mm. is I have to think Oh, I need to write these things down. My favorite frame of the episode, the one that's just kind of keeps coming back in my mind is when Ann Walker is kind of staring out the window there um with the with with the, with the bloody handkerchief yeah. looking at because you see that because it was just after that scene where you think oh no is this kind of going south yeah well no it's not like Anne is sitting there smiling thinking about Anne 
Yeah. And it's really like, okay, we're all good. It's just such a beautifully lit and like film scene. It's one of those handheld movements that I just love so much. I think my favorite frame, honestly, truthfully, I thought you were going to be like, the cutaway to, oh, Miss, uh, Miss Lista. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was, that was just, that's really good editing. I wouldn't call it like a, my favorite no, shot. No, no, no. It's, it's definitely not the best composed shot. It was definitely, no, it was, it's hard because it was a quick f- shot. And yeah. that all had to be choreographed with her coming up for air and like with the, the orgasm finishing and then getting yeah. that camera. It's on a slider and they panned up really quick. Oh. That had to be like, cause you saw the camera moved up. Yeah. That's on a slider. Somebody's having to push that really fast. And then that looks, reset that is back like, to one. That has to be perfectly timed. Like everything has to be timed right. So that, I mean, that's a very difficult shot to get. It's quick, but that was, I can just tell it took a minute to get it. And cause they're both yeah. like butt ass naked in that too. It's like also like we have two actresses that are very much out and exposed right now. And like, we have to like kind of, for the sake of everybody being comfortable, we, it's not a shot you want to spend all day on. No, 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 no. Yeah, even with like you know actors they had totally in, down. Yeah, and they had an intimacy yeah. coordinator too. I think of course, sex yeah. scenes were always so good. Yeah, and that's the thing that's like a new trend in media. On yeah. particularly, I know because I work in theater. Like that is a very new trend to the stage. Mm-hmm. It's happened in film and TV for quite some time, particularly in the age of like. Game of Thrones and True Blood and other shows that are not on HBO that are very sexy, you know, Spartacus, like all these other ones. Yeah. um, But for me, my favorite frame is probably a toss up to the like a tight shot of them actually like holding hands once they gifted the gondola or Ann Lister is given uh, and Walker the gondola and they're very close and it's lit very beautifully with this very like sort of angelic light. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's that handheld like shot. Yeah, it, it's like it is very intimate. It was also very you know um, just beautifully done in like the costume. Like Anne is in like this. She's always in like pastels of some sort. Yeah, and it's just like very. It's a contrast. And and the other shot that I would say is my favorite is like the first scene in Cronus where they're sitting together on the couch, and it's like this big wide light drenched room. And Walker's on one side in, like, I think she's in a bright pink dress um, and sitting beside her. And then it's just Anne Walker's, like, head to toe in black. And it's just, like, a visual contrast of this very bright room and then this blonde woman in a light dress and this very dark-haired woman in all black just yeah. sharing a sofa together. You know, it's 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 very, like, just beautifully framed and they're like dead center in in the frame um there's just so many good shots in the show it's yeah. hard, to, pick. It's hard it, to just pick just one yeah but we have to every we week. have to pick just one and with that we, oh, that's everything yeah i think that's everything and with that that is this is our second time filming this so we this is we did this one like on time so congrats to us pat on the back for Ooh. us but we just want to thank you guys again for listening and uh and, and watching in. Listening and yeah. watching this podcast, um, we will see you guys here this time next week for episode three, which is probably one of my favorite episodes. Mm, it's part of my favorite episode one. of the season, besides the finale. Oh, my, the finale is hands down. Yeah, but season th- episode three, I was like, ooh, this is getting good. Yes. Oh, lots um, of drama. Also, too, there's a lot I want to talk about in terms of script and what was scripted versus what was not. It's going to be a good time. So you guys are in for a treat next week. Um, to wait. You guys are in for a treat next week, so we'll see you this time next week on this podcast. All right. See ya. See ya. Take it. Thank you guys again for listening. If you want to know more about the podcast, please follow us online on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at JackBlastPod. And our website is JackBlastPod.com. 
Jack the Last the Podcast is a Bad Hipster Kid production, produced, edited, and narrated by Kelsey P. Jones and Carrie Cares. Music is by Epidemic Sound. <laughs>